I Seen Her by Rebecca Lloyd The worst of it all was that those two boys were once as close as bark to tree. I'd often seen them from my cottage when they were small, walking along the edge of the ridge, Jonas following Girdler and having to run a little to keep up with him. But the queer thing is, even though they have turned pure enemy, they still cannot live one without the other, and I'm guessing, despite their hatred, they will not part ways, knowing by instinct that sharing the burthen is crucial, if both are to keep their sanity, or, if it comes to it, lives. I had been aware how deeply troubled Jonas was for a good while, but it was not until he came to stay for a few months when he was about sixteen that I was able to persuade him to talk to me freely. Even so, he only spoke in hasty snatches before he couldn't bear it any longer, and I saw then how mightily he was obsessed with the business. It took only the sudden movement of a bird or the bluster of the field wind to start him up horribly and have him blink and sway and prowl about and bend to squint through the tiny windows of my cottage, one by one. He was calmer when evenings came, and we would often sit together on the potato boxes against the cottage wall and watch the moths. They came in great numbers to the outside lamp, the large pale ones, the flitting ones, and those strangely patterned, all blipping and banging in the yellow light. Do you remember when you were little, Jonas? How you loved every creature you saw from the most awkward to those that might have been made by angels, and how you'd come to the house to show me the insects you'd captured, and how we talked about all manner of wonderful things. Yes, Miss Carver, I remember, of course, and we said it was often difficult to know if something had been created by God or the devil, and when we fell upon the notion that God and the devil might be the same, we lowered our voices, even though the nearest neighbour was, and still is, many furlongs away. Jonas turned to me, frowning. If ever there was proof of that, she is it. God and the devil being the same, I mean. When did you last see her? I asked. On the Monday gone, just after that misty rain down on the back road. Did she stay long? I ventured, looking into the mothy night. For a while, she was doing that thing I told you about before, Miss Carver. I don't know how you can bear it. I don't have no choice about it. You move only when she lets you. It's too hard to explain. And have you ever seen her at night? Night? No. I couldn't abide that, the devil helped me, since God won't. We sat in silence for a while, watching the last of the light fade above the tall trees that crown the ridge, lining the road there, across from the fields proper. Do you think you will ever be free? I ventured to ask him, hoping all the time he would not rise abruptly and leave me out there in the night, as he had done sometimes before. You did not ask if I wanted to be free... Miss Carver, he whispered into the blackness. I turned to him. His hands were clutched in his lap, and his head lowered 
You talk with such venom about her that I assumed you would. Only if Girdler is free too. I could not abide the thought of him near her without me, even if she is not really mine. Not really yours. Girdler knew her a long time before he showed her to me. Four years or so. He took me to her for a corrupted reason, but I was too little to realise it. I knew Girdler too, although I had no particular fondness for him. He lived with his parents in the wooden house that looks like a half-stove-in shack, lying in the crevice of the earth between Lowering and Kiddlesteep. His parents were rarely seen in either this village or the other, and so on the occasions they did appear, they were noticed. They were thin as sticks, as was the child, Girdler. Their clothing was sombre and their faces grim. It made people uncomfortable. Some thought they followed a curious religion, but nobody could describe what it was or give it a name. Out of politeness, most of us went to their funeral. They died on the same day, when Girdler was around twenty. Indeed, as he told us at the gathering, they died at the exact same moment. Jonas came in late and joined his grandparents at the far side of the church. He knew I was present, but he didn't look at me because he liked to keep our good but delicate friendship, a private thing, from the rest of the villagers. I recall a curious exchange between the two boys in the passageway by the church hall and the kitchen annex, as the funeral guests were leaving. They had not seen me, and I kept myself deliberately hidden in a shadowy recess, in the hope I could learn more about the things Jonas had started to tell me. I thought that'd be the end of her when they died, Girdler whispered. But she's still wandering be hither and beyond, the same as before. And I don't know how much longer I can stand it, by God. I know. I seen her too. Where? Felon's wood on the back path this morning. You're certain sure? I tell you, I seen her. One of the clock. Around seven. That's when she was coming out of the bedroom where the mum and my father were lying dead together. Do you think she killed them? Don't be a fool, Jonas. Of course not. They made her. I told you. Well, do you think she knows they're dead then? Girdler shrugged. Who can tell? Anyway, damn them. Damn them to hell, he whispered. All my life with that monster. All my life. You should leave, Lauren. Go to the city. Get a place to live and a job. And I'll come join you. Suppose she follows. I keep telling you, Girdler. You can only try it. You go. And I bet it'll only be me who follows. Girdler laughed. <laughs> and we'll never come back to this stinking place, he said. That's for certain sure. Not even our shadows come back, Jonas replied. Or if they wanted to, we'd send them alone. I waited for some time after the boys had left before making my way out through the side door and taking the shortcut home. For the following few months, I know the boys lived together with Jonas's grandparents in that funny house on the corner, imprisoned by the giant hedge. 
Then, before too long, Girdler did leave. He got on the bus that waits at the peak of the hill, taking with him a large suitcase and a rucksack. Jonas accompanied him and watched the bus pull away. For a while he did not move, but stared into the distance, shifting from one foot to the other, before turning and making his way back down again. He spotted me then by Arnold's field, where I'd been gathering cobnuts. That's him gone all right, he said on passing. You'll miss him, I called out. No, it's him will miss Lauren more like. You see if he doesn't. And sure enough, Girdler was back within six months, and had nothing to say about his time in the city. He's come back changed, though, Jonas told me. He wants to know everything that went on while he was gone. I laughed at that. Whatever does go in Lowering or Kittlesteep, you know my meaning, Miss Carver. What went on between you and her? Is that it? Yes. So, what did? I seen her sixty-seven times, I counted, and I seen her in places I never have before, and she looked at me longer and more curious. I don't know if she was looking for him or not. He says he can't get her to look at him the same way she did before he went away, and he blames me for that. But he forgets something. What? That it was why he showed me her in the first place when I was five and he was nine. He wanted to find a way of making her pay more attention to him. He thought if she saw another boy, she could compare us and see him as bigger and better. He's angry with me now. What's he saying to you? He says I've made her unfriendly to him, says he hardly sees her, and she belongs to him by rights. He's gone back to his house to live to see if she'll slide in there. Says he's going to leave all the windows and doors open. Anyhow, there's not a bit of furniture left in that house. It was all took away. But I thought he hated her. Who says so? I remembered then I'd got that impression while eavesdropping on the two boys. Maybe I made it up, I said quickly. But you know, you've never told me what she looks like, Jonas. What would be the use of that? I'm curious. We've been talking a lot about her since Girdler came back. So what does she look like? I don't know. We were standing in my kitchen. I was making bread. Yes, you do, Jonas. You see her all the time. What does she look like? I could see that he was struggling for an answer. Well, it all depends on the light and whereabouts it is, he began. If it's behind me, she can be black like ink. And if it happens to get behind her, she can be faded. Faded? That's the right word, isn't it? When a thing is hard to see and you have to screw your eyes up. I nodded. I was meaning more her face. What does her face look like? But you won't ever see her, Miss Carver. Nobody but me and Girdler can do. Can I not imagine her, though? For what? So that when you talk about her, she can come into my mind and help me understand what you are telling me. 
that would be clever, Jonas said, her coming into your mind. <laughs> and he laughed at the idea. <laughs> I don't think you'd like that, though. So, what does she look like? He thought for a moment, and I glanced at him. Like a photograph, he said, finally. I walked to the little kitchen window that looked out over the fields. I'd been in Lowering for about fifteen years, and I was familiar with quite a few of the superstitions the villagers clung to. I wondered if the boy's inability to answer me directly was a reflection of another superstition. Something along the lines of not speaking ill of the dead, perhaps. What do I look like, Jonas? To you. Like you always have, Miss Carver. I don't get you. Suppose I disappeared one day and the police asked you what I look like. What would you say? Why would they ask me? Because you've known me since you were six, and no one else from Lowering comes to visit me unless it's to sell me eggs or cheese or something. So the police might correctly say of everybody here, You know me best. Jonas smiled. He seemed pleased with the idea that he might be important in my life. I should be off. I said I'd meet Girdler down at the house. He thinks if I'm there she might come. As difficult and evasive as Jonas could often be, I was always glad of him when he helped me with tedious chores. And on a cold morning, when we were stacking logs up against the side wall, I persuaded him to speak about the subject again. When you and Girdler were boys, you were very close, I said. Are you glad he's come back to Lowering? Close by our love then, maybe, he murmured. Close by our hatred now, though. You once told me you first saw her when you were five, so that means eleven years of her, and that would have been before you came to me for writing lessons. That's right, Miss Carver. It will be eleven years, he replied. But it must have been utterly terrifying when you were so tiny. I was thinking back to how he had been as a child of six or seven, sitting at my kitchen table, writing out the alphabet. He was always pale and quiet, but you couldn't have guessed by looking at him that he was in contact with something monstrous. Jonas stood up, took off his jacket, and flung it on the grass. Can't say it was terrifying, Miss Carver. Can't say that. To me it was yet another life mystery. I saw those all the time. I saw them in the creatures I showed you. He stared out across the landscape to the ridge where once he had walked with Girdler. When I was a boy, what things really were didn't matter to me. I'd have as likely seen a cobweb in the exact same way I did her. She did not strike you as different from everything else. Can't say she did. No, I had only been alive for five years. I went to stand beside him. I knew he preferred at that moment not to talk to me face to face, but to throw his thoughts and words into the wind somehow, as if bestowing weightlessness upon them. Where exactly was it that you first glimpsed her, Jonas? In the old grotto at the edge of Felin's wood, where all that ivy grows. Girdler led me there, and all the time was telling me not to make a sound because sudden noise... He, he took me in, and it was dark and stinking. 
I hated the place. She was in a corner, standing up. And when she saw me, at least this is how I remember it, she did that repulsive thing and bent a little, as if she was too tall to see one as small as me, and peered all over my face. And Girdler? And I felt like I had been touched by icicles in all the places of my face that her looking stopped on. Girdler was behind me. He whispered that his parents had made her. You said that once before. I thought you meant his parents made her appear. Jonas laughed. You mean like a ghost or something? That'd be funny. <laughs> made her go into the bedroom, for instance, I said. Wasn't I the fool? No sooner had I said it than I remembered I'd overheard it when hiding in the niche by the church kitchen. I never told you anything like that, Jonas said, turning to look at me. I felt myself redden. Must have dreamt it then. He stared at me for a while and then turned abruptly away again. At the same time, I felt a curious and immediate tension arise in my spine. She is not a ghost, after all, then, I whispered. Oh, Miss Carver, however can you have thought that? You are not a simpleton, at least I never thought you were. But everything you've ever told me, all the conversations we've had. You can see the grotto from here. Shall we go down there and have a look in? And then maybe you'll be able to imagine her better. That is to say, if she's not in there, in the flesh already. So we took off down the slope and towards the edge of the wood and the broken stone building that had been made in the shape of a cave and whose inside was stuck with hundreds of seashells. Jonas entered first, but I hesitated to follow as the pointlessness of our mission began to overwhelm me. I was sure I'd have been as likely to be able to imagine the entity that had plagued him most of his life, while sitting in the warmth of my kitchen, as I would be outside on a shabby, grey-clouded day, gazing into a Victorian folly. Come on, Miss Carver. Nothing in here to affright you. Nothing at all, Jonas called out. The inside was damp and dark, and ferns were growing there in great profusion. It smelt merely of vegetation. You told me it smelt bad, Jonas, I whispered. I did when I first came here. It smelt like fish does when it's been lying in the sun too long. I felt myself shudder. Oh, well then, if she's not a ghost, she must be a mermaid, I replied. Shall we go back now? I've got rabbits to skin today. Let's wait for a bit. I'll see if I can call her. I walked to the cave entrance and could feel a sense of dread settling below the level of my skin. For Christ's sake, Jonas, I hissed at him. Let's just go. You want to see her? You're always asking what she looks like. I couldn't deny that. But then, when I turned back and saw him grinning in the gloom, I realized I'd been had and smiled back at him. Has she got a name? 
I asked, surprised at myself for never having thought of it before. Girdless people had a name for her, but I don't know it, he replied. Does she speak to you? Jonas came to the cave entrance, and so I moved out onto the forest path to encourage him to join me, all the while looking about as if the thing we seemed to be conjuring up between us might actually materialise. No, can't say I ever heard her speak, but that's no burthen. We began to walk back home, and I was glad. Somehow, the excursion had made the woman more real to me in a physical sense, but still I could not picture her. What about Girdler? What of him? Does he have the same experience of her as you do? We were up on the steep path through Thvelin's wood, and I was a little out of breath. I don't know what that devil sees, Jonas muttered. Nor do I care. He can go to hell along with his nasty old people for all it means to me. I said no more about the subject that day. I had lately learnt from Jonas how fiercely competitive the boys were about her. One was as likely to claim he'd seen her up in Stone's paddock, while the other swore that at the exact same time she was at the bend of the road where the big tree straddles that boulder. One has her with hair standing up on end, while the other says it's flowing. One has her eyes looking straight at him, and the other seeking, but not finding him. When Girdler stepped out onto the path in front of me, I knew I was being waylaid by him, knew he had been waiting for me to enter the overgrown track between the two fields good way past Lowry. The working day in the village had not yet started, and I was out hunting for field mushrooms, and Girdler was a long way from his house. I put down my basket to give me a second or two to catch my breath. Good day, Girdler, I began. You're abroad early. I had not seen him close up since the death of his parents, and I was struck by how gaunt and agitated he was. You look as if you could do with some field mushrooms to breakfast on. Will you help me find some? My request flustered him a little. I was wanting to talk to you. I saw you come up here from the window of my house, and I came around the short way to catch you. Is Jonas staying with you? I have not seen him now for two weeks or so. Girdler let his eyes wander over me, and for a moment or two my spine tingled. You're like a mother to him, ain't you, Miss Carver? he said. He likes you mightily for that. I like him too. I've known him since he was six. He tells you a lot of things, and you don't stop him. Now I was fully uneasy. A lot of things, I answered. Maybe. Why would I stop him? Girdler looked upwards into the bank of clouds and considered my question. You would stop him if you knew he was a liar, he said, after a while. I glanced across the field to our left, as from time to time people walked their dogs there but it was empty, and so was the bumpy field on the other side of the track, where I hoped to find the mushrooms. Let's go, I said. The sooner you gather mushrooms on the morning of their rising, the better they taste. As I began to stride onwards and past him, I saw on his sallow face a curious lopsided expression of anger 
and fear and longing that I couldn't get the measure of. You hold the basket, girdler, and you can have half of what we find. Do you have eggs down at the house? There's nothing in the house except my sleeping bag. All was took when the mum and my father died. Took while I was in the city, that is. Taken by whom? Thieves, of course. Everyone around here is a thief. Are they all liars as well? Yes, thieves and liars to a man. But not you. I'm not like them. I glanced up at him. There had been a time when he was little, when the villagers wanted to find a way of rooting the family out of the old wooden house, and burning the thing to the ground. How much of that he was aware of I did not know, and would not have asked. I'm not like them either, Gurdler. I wasn't born here, and I don't know all their ways of doing things, and their fears. But I'm thinking you know all our ways and fears, me and Jonas, I mean. "'because he told you everything, you being like a mother to him. "'I could not decide if he was asking or telling me. And "'So we walked on for some minutes in silence across the rough grass "'before I could bring myself to speak again. "'I really am sorry about your parents, Gurgler. "'I expect it's good to have Jonas for company, "'otherwise it'd be lonely in the house now. "'But it'd be good if he came over to the cottage from time to time "'to help me out with things.' I don't expect him to stay. You really think it's lonely without the mum and my father? I shrugged. I'd imagine so. Jonas said you like to do imagining, which is why in the end he had to tell you everything. Is it true? What, Gurdler? Is what true? That you know it all. We stopped in the centre of the field, and as the sun was behind him, I had to squint upwards, and the expression on his face was not clear. He told me a great deal, it is true, I began, but not simple things like what you call her, or for that matter, what she is. Girdler reached over, and taking my hand, pulled me gently down onto the ground so that we were sitting side by side. Now it's my turn to tell you, he said. As I had so often done with Jonas, I stayed still, not looking at him, but staring out across the field, the tree-clustered boundary of which was in our line of sight. She was a gift to me, from the mum and my father when I was little. A gift, I whispered. Yeah, but to my way of thinking, she was really a gift to them. Because once they'd made her and let her loose, they didn't bother with me. The mum always called her Empusalia. They said she was my nanny. I was aware he had drawn his knees up and dropped his head into his hands. Trouble is, I haven't needed a nanny for a hundred years, and she didn't vanish when the parents died, so all that was for nothing. All what, Girdler? He straightened up again, swiftly. I shouldn't have mentioned it. Not even Jonas really knows about it. Fact is, she's still here, the same as ever. She comes into the house every day now he's with me, 
yet she licks my head and neck clean before she even looks at him. I reckon she'd even lick my shadow if she could find it. I had a sense of the ground tilting away from me, and even though we were sitting down, I felt giddy with the thought of falling. Are you telling me she's something like a dog? I whispered. Jonas has told you already, Miss Carver. No need for me to add more. But he hasn't told me every detail, you know. Girdler laughed. Ha <laughs> ha, he's a liar anyway, he murmured, and plucking a stem of grass, he stripped the seeds off, so they scattered themselves across his trousers. Only difference between me and Jonas is he can't abide to see her stretch her neck out, and turns away when she does it, and I can't help but look. It's like someone's got my head from behind and is forcing my eyes open. You probably know what a giraffe is, Miss Carver. Well, that would be her only competition to my way of thinking. But Jonas can't stand it when she rolls her neck out. Says it makes him terrified, even though he thought nothing of it as a kid. Is it really true that your parents made her? I whispered. They were clever when they were alive. Don't know about now, though. The dead ain't so clever, to my way of thinking. Made her out of what? I don't know. I was just a boy when they did it. Like an automaton, maybe. What's that? A wind-up thing. Girdler laughed as carelessly as Jonas had done when he'd realised I'd been thinking it was a ghost, and standing up, he brushed the grass seeds off his trousers and told me not another thing about it. Today's story was I Seen Her by Rebecca Lloyd. It was read by Jasper Lestrange. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, sweet dreams. <laughs>